guys. Welcome back to the One Broke Actress Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Sam Valentine. Episode two of season six, the quarantine season. I'm so excited, you guys. We're thrilled to have the podcast back. I am so happy because it feels like something I'm doing that's actually making a difference right now. Hopefully something ideally. And yes, this podcast came out last week on a Friday. It's coming out this week on Thursday. Uh, You know, I'm just kind of feeling out where it goes best. Uh, If you have an opinion on that, you can reach me at sam at samvalentine.net or on onebrokeactress.com or, you know, on Instagram always. Um, Speaking of Instagram, a bunch of you joined the Zoom class. Will I call it a class? I don't know. A tutorial thing I did this past week, which was really nice. If you guys missed it, we kind of went over the basics of acting on Zoom. Just some tips and tricks I've kind of learned along the way. And that is on YouTube. If you search acting on Zoom, um, you'll see my face pop up um, in a messy bun on a Zoom call. And that is that video. So if you guys want to watch it, uh, I do say um a lot. So forgive me. YouTube is a brand new platform. And so is Zoom, so we can all learn together. Thank you guys so much for listening to last week's episode and for your reviews. We're up to 120. My goal, let's see, my goal is that by the end of season six, we're at 150 reviews. That means I need 30 people who are listening to this podcast right now to review this podcast. You can write a sentence, you can write a paragraph, you can write an essay. I don't care. Review this podcast. That's all I need in quarantine is just a little something from you. Okay, let's get to today's podcast. I am so honored to have my birthday twin, Michelle LeWitt, on this podcast. (laughs) We found out we were birthday twins to the end of the call. You'll hear it. We were very excited. Anyway, in an effort to keep these podcast episodes evergreen, um, of course, we talk about her casting basics. We talk about the things she has learned coming from being interested in basketball to the casting world because she grew up in L.A. and just kind of making that choice, how she got in with these offices that she worked with, which is amazing. She has worked on incredible, incredible movies, how she came into her own, and what she has learned about actors. And of course, we talk about quarantine flavored things we talk about self-taping at home about acting online on these platforms and the fact that there is work happening now even though we might not be seeing it on our end just yet and of course we end with a little bit of me asking her about this small film she was a casting assistant on Um, it was called Harry Potter and it was really important to me as a child so I think you'll enjoy the story (laughs) that comes out of that Guys, without further ado, please enjoy Michelle Lewitt. Oh my gosh. Well, wait, you started uh, in basketball, if I read correctly. And so I'm super curious how that faded into acting. Okay. Well, yeah, the the natural progression from basketball (laughs) to casting director, didn't you know? No. Um, I'll I'll tell you. So I've been, basketball is a huge part of my life. It still is. I still... Mm -hmm um play it actively I still like it's I watch it like I'm going crazy without sports in my life right now I was gonna Um, ask (laughs) but um so I've played my entire life um in high school that was like my focus and I got an injury the summer before my senior year and that's when I got exposed to coaching my coach said um you know I think you'd be a really great coach and so 
as a senior in high school, I was coaching the middle, middle school team just to try it out. And I fell in love with it. So, so that's where my coat, my basketball coaching started. And so when I graduated and I was going to college, it was an emphasis on, um, athletic training and psychology because I was fully intending to be a college basketball coach. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, as I started to dig into what it meant to be a college basketball coach, there's like a lot of politics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're losing, you get fired and stuff. And so anyway, I was thinking, I was like, man, basketball is something so near and dear to my heart. I'm so passionately invested. I'm not sure that I can separate myself or handle the politics that come along with that. Right. Um, so I was just like, God, what the heck, what else would I do? I mean, basketball is my life. Um, and so I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine and he said, um, he's like, all right, he's like, let's just, let's just get real here. Barring education, money, what your parents think, what anyone thinks, if you could do anything that you wanted, what would it be? And it was truly, it was a very strange moment. It was like something just channeled through me. It was like a very, it wasn't like a conscious hmm, response it was just like casting director flew out of my mouth I and you've never I, like thought about this before no, I didn't even know what a casting director was <laughs> it was like casting director I mean I did you know I've grown up in Los Angeles and so I've always loved movies mm-hmm. um, so I have had a little exposure to the entertainment industry friends who were actors growing up and whatnot but I didn't I didn't know what a casting director was and so he kind of looked at me and I was sort of surprised what came out of my mouth. And he said, okay, well then, then go, go and do that. And I was like, okay. And so this is back, this is back before Google was so popular. <laughs> All you kids listening, this is many moons ago. So I went to Barnes and Noble and I got a book, I got a book on casting. And I started looking through that and I quickly found out there's many different types of casting. There is commercial casting, there's feature casting, there's TV casting, there's theater casting, tons of casting out there, right? And um, because, as I mentioned, I've loved films my whole life. My mom was amazing at constantly taking me to the movies and stuff like that. I was like, well, I'm definitely a feature film girl, okay? So, so went back to Barnes and Noble and got another book on all of the uh, top feature film casting directors in the industry. And you're in college at this time? Yeah, in college for like a brief moment for like... Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so exactly. I, was, I, was, I was 18, 19-ish. Okay, okay got it, got it. And, uh, and so all of the feature film casting directors in that book, I wrote them all a letter, okay, a cover letter. I didn't even send a resume because what I have no experience. Right. <laughs> so I wrote this cover letter that said, and this is, this is the truth, this is where my strengths lie, is in assessing talent. So what I said was, in the same way I assess the skills and talents of basketball players to assemble a successful team, I wanted to redirect that into, into casting, to assessing the skills and talents of actors to assemble a successful cast. Okay. So it's really kind of just pivoting the same skill set into a different profession, right? Got it. Um, so I sent out 50 cover letters across the country from here to Chicago to New York. Um, I got a couple of interviews and one of the interviews I got was with the casting company, which was owned by casting legends, um, Jane Jenkins and Janet Hershenson. Yeah, they're big. And, yeah, big, oh, big, big, big. I mean, 
Princess Bride outside and they discovered everyone, right? Like they had yeah, their whole their IMDb list is just it's, like oh, it's incredible. So I looked up their resume, I'm like, yep, I'd love to work for them, you know? <laughs> so they brought me in on an interview and basically they said, Well, look, we don't have a position for you, but you could be an unpaid intern. And I was like, Yep, I'll do that. I knew I knew that I just needed to get my foot in the door. You know yeah. what I mean? So I started that next, I think, I think my interview was on a Friday and I started that next Monday as just a little unpaid intern. Right. And this is back in the day before online, uh, breakdown submission. So it was cabinets full wow. of tangible headshots going through the headshots and headshots and scripts get messengered. Okay. So it's like Love. when we released a breakdown, we got all of these manila envelopes full of, um, of headshots. And so that was part of my job as the intern, right? is like get all these headshots out of the out of the envelopes and put them in the correct piles for the role. I mean, the paper cuts I had that first week was incredible. <laughs> um, so, wow. Yeah, so that's really what it was. And as I was going through the headshots, what I would do is just try and memorize them. It was like a huge boot camp education. The first two weeks that I worked there as an intern um, was just really amazing. And after those two weeks, they uh they said they actually fired their current assistant and said would you like to be our casting assistant and i was like yes i sure would that's um, amazing yeah so so yeah so i started out as a casting assistant for them and you know i'm really i'm really fortunate and and to this day forever grateful um for for their mentorship because they really did take me under their their wing they saw my desire and my passion to learn and to soak everything up and they're like all right let's, let's do this, you know, cause no one can stand in front of a classroom and teach you how to cast a film. You know, you don't, you don't go to college to become a casting director. It's really, mm -hmm. um, an ex you have to be in the experience to learn how to do it. And I was fortunate enough to learn from Jane and Jen. I mean, yes, I had my own intuition and like, I, it was something I wanted to do just with my skill set of assessing talent but they really, they just taught me everything. And, um, and because they are so great with such a great eye, great taste, I was able to really um, just receive the best casting education possible from them. And I was with them for quite a long time before opening my own company. So um, anyway, so that's how, that's how, to answer your question, that's how yeah. basketball parlayed into, into casting. That's amazing. And you probably did all that with black and white headshots too. <laughs> it, well, you know, it's so funny. It was mostly black and white. And I remember it so well when people started getting colored. It was like, oh my God, look at these color headshots. You know, I mean, this is back when we used to fax sides. Okay. We faxed oh the sides. And when I needed, when I was making an offer to someone, we messengered the script over to the agency. <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. Do you feel... Do you feel like it's almost no excuse to be lazy now? Because now like literally everything is just here. Like for actors, especially, it feels like I, I talked to some friends who were like, you know, I had to stop my car and go to a payphone and check in, check my voicemails and see if I got the call and da, 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 da. And now it's just, it feels like we should feel so much more streamlined than we do. Oh, well, especially even like with auditions, when it came to taping the auditions, I remember then I would have to transfer from the camera those auditions onto a VHS tape. There are going to be some people that hear this that don't even know what a VHS tape is. <laughs> and literally put it onto the VHS, a VHS tape. And then depending how many producers were involved or whatnot, 
I would have to make duplicates of the VHS tapes. We had two VCRs. Oh okay? my and God. Anyone knows what a VCR is now. <laughs> it's, you know, oh my God. It's so funny. I'm so grateful though, because it really makes me appreciate the technology now. I mean, now I, you know, when I, I just hook up my laptop to my computer my camera equipment and it just in real time downloads into the computer and then I, I email a link to my filmmakers. It's, it's, un, it's unbelievable. I mean, hours and hours are saved. Wow. Do you feel like you see, because of that, do you feel like you see more actors now or less? Yeah. You know, so it's interesting. That kind of goes right into the, the, the evolution of self-tape. Self-tape mm-hmm. is a, is a really relatively in the scheme of things a new thing where back in the day it's like if someone's self-tape it was a very uh specific reason why like they were on location shooting or something Mm -hmm. like that it was not common at all um and so and self-tape you certainly weren't casting off of self-tape okay it was like oh they do the self-tape it's like okay yes we see we like them now we got to get them in for either us or for the director or whatever um, but nowadays it's like we, I, we hire people off of self tape, you know, if you can deliver a really good self tape, um, it, it can get you an offer, which if you had, if you had asked me 15, 20 years ago, if that was like, I would be like, Oh, you're crazy. <laughs> but anyway, oh, so the point is I absolutely feel like I get to see more talent mm-hmm. because now you know, obviously I still do have in-person sessions. I really do like those. And especially when I have my filmmaker in the room, there are definitely uh, chemistry sessions that you really can't duplicate in with a uh, self tape and whatnot. Um, but absolutely because I don't have to be in a session room for quite as many hours, I can have my in-person sessions, but I can also spend time watching self tapes and really just get to see more talent, which is great for me. That's, I mean, that's why I do this. And it's part of what I love about my position is that I get to discover new talent. When I find an actor who is fantastic, like I get excited. Like it's a, it's a high for me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And still to this day, after doing it for so many years, still to this day, when I find a really special actor, I like, I I'm buzzing for the rest of the day. You know what I mean? So, uh, yes. um, so, that, so I really love the advancement in technology that allows me to see more talent you know, than, than we used to be able to. Yeah. Do you, I, I'm trying to um, focus some of the podcast episodes I'm doing now on like what we think is going to happen after and like during this COVID-19 time. So do you think what, how do you feel about self tapes going on in the future? Do you feel like this kind of thing is going to be an audition possibility? Like What's going on on your end? Because you have, according to IMDb, you have 11 projects in development, which by the way, that sounds incredible. So I'd be curious what you're You know, when I, after I had kids, um, I stopped doing a lot of studio films and focused more on the indie world because it requires a little bit less time or at at the very least, it's more flexible in schedule. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, like actually see my kids, which I I want to do. Um, (laughs) Um, with indie films, it's like so many are in development and then go into production and then they lose the money and then it goes on hold and then, you know, whatever. So when it says 11 projects, like I should probably go through, like some, some are just dead and never going to come back. Okay. So (laughs) to probably update that. I mean, yes, I do have a few in development, 
but 11 is a little, a little excessive. <laughs> yeah, it does sound high. I, sometimes I let them linger. I'm like, yeah, sure. That's going to come out soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Never going to see the light of day. I, I get, I get calls like, are you even available? And I'm like, yeah, I'm available. Yeah. <laughs> are you, uh, are you working on things now? What's, what's going on with you right now during this quarantine? Well, you know, it's funny. So uh, a few of the things I was working on definitely halted. Okay. And I was like, whoa, this is a forced vacation. Um, and so like the first like week, week and a half, I was like, wow, this is going to be really interesting. And then shockingly, like the last two weeks, I got like a couple new projects. Great. Yeah. Cause there are some, you know, some filmmakers who are recognizing that look, when we are ready to, to shoot when it's safe, um, and, and we're given the okay with whatever precautions we have to follow and whatnot to shoot, um, they want to be able to hit the ground running. They don't want to start the casting when they give the okay on, on shooting. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, you know, fortunately after doing this for so long, I have really good relationships with the reps and I can get a hold of them and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so there is some casting happening believe it or not and, listen that makes me so happy to hear yeah, yeah. <laughs> and one of them i think i'm gonna have to put out a breakdown which means um i'll get to ask for some self-tapes and i'm like oh the actor's gonna be so happy oh my god you're gonna get like so many self it's gonna be the best self-tapes you've probably ever seen right i hope so i hope so yeah i mean i do think you know your original question i do think that after after this whole pandemic shutdown COVID thing, mm -hmm. um, there are going to be some permanent changes. You know, it's, I mean, it's kind of like, look at other significant things that happened in history, like 9-11, you know, the airports are never going to go back to the same thing again. You know what I mean? Right. There were certain things that were put in place because of it. And then certain things that were maybe loosened or lifted, but it will never go back to the same. And I do believe that there are going to be some permanent changes within the industry. I don't necessarily know exactly what those are, but I do think that Zoom meetings are definitely going to be more of a thing. I think so um, too. You know, when like when I need to like meet a director, or we need to have a meeting with all the filmmakers or whatever the case. Mm. Um, and I think that self, I think people are going to be even more open to self tapes. I mean, people were pretty good about it, but I, I believe that even more so um, the self tape is gonna, we're going to be casting off of it as well. Yeah. What, so since I think that I agree, I think that's going to be absolutely something we're going to do. And I'm so excited to hear that there's things going on. Yes, <laughs> I, can't, yeah, I can't be the only one. So I'm sure there's <laughs> stuff happening. I'm thrilled. I have heard similar things that it's going to be a hit the ground running once we can find oh. ways to do this. Oh yes. Oh, yes. Uh, cause I do think everyone's just going to be excited. You know, everyone is going to want to maybe go to a restaurant, I hope, when it, it's going to just be a different oh, hard way to do it. So how do you, with self-tapes, obviously, you do, on the whole, um, feature films? Uh, mostly. I've started mostly. to do, I've started to do, um, a co I've started working with um, Crypt TV and Facebook mm -hmm. Watch, which is a streaming, you know, mm -hmm. um, platform because uh, I had to certainly evolve and educate myself on the streaming thing is like so huge, especially like uh, specifically Crypt TV is like horror content and, you know, kids between the ages of like 14 and 19, like they watch that stuff on their devices. Like it's, they're not even watching it on a TV, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, I got to evolve with the time. So I have started to do some 
some streaming projects. Um, but I do my, I mean, my, my focus is definitely feature films. Have sure. you noticed a difference at all in between the way they're cast or the way you prefer actors to come into a room for a streaming show versus like a feature film? Mm. Or is it still just good quality work along with the 17 other things that it takes to consider an actor for a job? I think, um, I think it is perceived differently, but prior to the audition thing, there will be people who will, let's say, pass on streaming content versus they will actually come in and audition for like a feature film. But I, I think that's going to change too, because I think this whole thing is going to change the perception of streaming and Quibi and Facebook Watch and all those, those platforms. So I, I do think that will certainly change as well. Yeah. But then you feel like the prep or what they do in the room is very similar. I am, um, you know, I'm pretty discerning about who comes into my room. Um, there are definitely reps out there that I, that I trust. And if they're telling me that this person is, is great, um, I'm going to bring them in. I, you know, I'm very fortunate that, I mean, I would say 90 to 95% of the people that come into my room are really prepared and professional and and solid and um you know i mean not all of them are necessarily good in terms of skill but prepared and professional which is all i can really ask for you know what i mean and mm -hmm. um so i you know i really have had the vast majority be positive experiences with with actors who come in come into my room whether it's for streaming or whether it's for feature film i mean i certainly have some all cast characters have crazy stories about that the, the actor that went crazy in their room or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> but for, the, for the most part, regardless of the project, um, I find most, most actors come in pretty solid and pretty prepared, regardless of what it is. Cool. Is there in self tapes, do you feel as though there's something that makes an actor stand out or is yes. there good things oh, yeah. and bad things for self tapes for oh, you? Yes. Great. <laughs> Let's dive in. Huge. First of all, lighting. If I cannot see your face, I don't know what I would be casting. And you, you could be getting an Oscar winning performance, but if I cannot see you, I, I'm not going to hire you. <laughs> so lighting, it is, it is astonishing to me how many people will send in self-tapes where I cannot truly see what you look like. And this goes hand in hand. I get asked about headshots a lot too. You know, make sure your headshot looks like you. You know, make sure it, you're not using the same headshot from 10 years ago for now. Um, so it's, it's the same with self-tapes. I need to be able to see what you look like. I need to be able to see what, you know, it's not even always about aesthetics. I need to be able to see what's going on in your eyes. For me, um, the way that I cast my casting style, the way that I've been trained and taught and what I've developed over the years, it's a very intuitive casting style. It's a, it's a very, um, I'm looking art for are you making me feel something, you know, um, what films are or what, what any project is with the characters, whether it's comedy, drama, horror, whatever, you're trying to make the audience feel something. At least I hope that's the point, right? There's a common denominator of humanity and of emotion, whether that's laughing or crying or, or, or aggressiveness, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so I need to be able to see your eyes, especially if we're not in person. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I'm in person, because I can feel your energy and whatnot, sometimes the read will come across even better than what it looks like on the tape when I look at it later. Mm -hmm. So with self-tapes, if I, if I don't have the benefit of the energy in the room in person, 
I need to be able to see your eyes. What are you showing me? What is going on behind there? Are you reciting the lines to me? Because I can read the script out loud myself. I don't need anyone else to do that. I want to see what are you bringing to it? You know, what, what is happening behind your eyes? How are, how are you breathing? You know, that makes a difference too. Like, are you operating like a real human being trying to connect within that character? And I don't care what the character is, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to be doing some dramatic piece, deep piece, you know, you're some schizophrenic drug addict or something like that. Like a, a misconception is that it has to be this very deep, dark, dramatic thing to, to give a really super layered or super complex performance or whatnot. Yeah. And it's like, you know what, if you are being human and connecting and bringing um, an authenticity, it doesn't matter what the role is. You could be playing, you know, waitress number two. I just want to see you be authentic and real and organic, you know? Um, so my point is in self tapes, that's even harder to achieve because we're not in the room together. Plus I can't direct you. I mean, that's one thing um, that I was definitely taught by Jane and Janet is to direct the actors, get the best that you can out of them. And so that's something that I'm there. Anyone that has read from me knows this. I am very particular about how I direct you and what I try and get from you in the room. And so with self tape, I don't have the benefit of directing you on the spot. Right. So I really need to see every single thing that you're bringing in your eyes, in your demeanor, in everything that you're saying on that self tape. So if I cannot see it because the lighting <laughs> back or sometimes the strangest angles, like it's a good thing. Some of these actors are not cinematographers are are set up on some of these self tapes. It's like, it's like, no, honey, I, I don't, I don't want to see, you know, your Adam's apple or underneath <laughs> the chin. I would like to be able to see your eyes, you know? Um, <laughs> So definitely lighting and camera angles, it sounds so simple, but it's actually really important because if I'm distracted by the fact that I can't see you or that it looks weird or something like that, I can't even focus on if you're a good actor or not, you know? I do feel like sometimes actors want to go a little rogue and do something like that's going to stand out or something like that. How does that translate to you when you get the tapes and you get a bunch of actors standing in front of a blue screen and then all of a sudden someone's in their car and it's like a little green, like dirtier? Right. I, I love when the actor wants to get creative. I love when they want to give themselves an environment to make it feel as real as possible. Um, I've, I've been asked this a lot over the years with panels and stuff like that um, about, you know, the audition process. And I have said, you know, I'm well aware that the audition process is a very inhumane process, okay? It's like I'm asking you to come into a room with blank walls, reading with someone who's not at all like the person you're going to read with, and get completely emotionally naked and give me your best work, you know? It's, it's really hard to do. Auditioning is it's definitely its own skill set and its own beast. I like to um, call it putting a million dollar moment into a $5 tape. <laughs> it's so true. And so I'm certainly very sensitive to that. It's part of, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not an actor, but I will give you something in my room. I will be present with you. I will engage with you. I'll give you what I can in my, lit in my limited acting skills, but I will give you something to just try and give you the best chance to succeed. And so with a self tape, if you have the... Um, resources or the environment to make it feel more real to you. I, I definitely support that as long as it doesn't 
overtake or overwhelm what you're doing creatively with your craft, with your acting. Mm -hmm. If, you know, if you're outside because you wanted to do an outside thing and the wind is blowing and I can't hear you, you know, then we've, you know, we've defeated the purpose. But mm -hmm. I've actually had quite a few really elaborate self tapes. There was, it's funny you say driving in a car. There was a movie I was casting last year and it was a scene in a car. And this dude did his self tape in the car and it was, it was awesome. It felt like you were watching a scene from the movie and it was very cool. And what he did was subtle enough that I didn't feel like it was taking away from mm -hmm. his acting. And I've seen it the other way where it's, they're so elaborate that it does sort of overwhelm what, you know, the dialogue is, the actual audition is. Um, but last year I cast a little, a little comedy um, and I, uh, it was shooting in Philadelphia, but I cast the four leads out of LA and all four leads were cast off of self tape. That's the first time I've ever had that, like all four leads. And the, the number one lead guy, his, self-tape was unbelievable i don't he has this studio like at his house and he happened to have all the appropriate like it was a gaming movie and so he had like you know his ps4 or whatever gaming system whatever um and it looked so and he was off book i mean that's the other thing if you're doing a self-tape please don't have like your like your head in the papers do you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying like even if you're not completely off book, although it is nice if you could be, just, I don't want constant looking down, just completely breaks everything. But my point is his self-tape was so fantastic and it felt so authentically real. Uh, we, we hired him. I mean, it was, it was Amazing. literally one of the best self-tapes I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes me like excited to do a self-tape. Yeah. So, so <laughs> in answer to your question, so I don't mind it when there's, you know, props and stuff like that as long as it doesn't take away from what you're trying to do. If you have something in your hand, like let's say, you know, the scene is you're, you know, uh, cutting up vegetables in the kitchen or something. If you're more concerned about if the vegetables are falling in the sink or not or whatever, like then cut it, then forget it, like do something else. You know, it just, mm -hmm. it needs to be all about the acting and what you plan to contribute to this character but if there's something that will help you feel more authentic and more engaged and more present, then I, I certainly support it. Absolutely. How I'm cu very curious because I feel like this is a common thing that I've, I've been in LA for like uh, 10 years now. And so when you are calling in uh, new talent, cause you said you love finding it. It's like very exciting. How many times do usually you see someone before you end up booking them? Like, do you often call back the same people a handful of times? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I say that this is like my, probably my number one line that I say in, in every interview or panel or whatever I, I do is, um, you know, I, I personally believe that the goal for actors should be um, when they go into a room or when they do a self tape, not to uh, book the role, but to make a fan. Whoever is going to lay eyes on that, whether it's the casting director, the director, the producer, whatever, make a fan out of whoever is going to see that because that in and of itself is currency because regardless if I hire you for this thing or not, if I like you, if you brought something that I'm like, ah, that person has something that is special, I promise you, I am going to bring you in on the next 10 things that I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, Jane and Janet have countless stories about 
people that they brought in over and over and over. And then finally they booked them for, for something. Um, and I have the same, the same stories, you know, if, if, if I am a fan of you and I believe in your talent, I'm going to bring you in until I hire you. And then after that too, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's really just about being consistent, putting forth your best work consistently, because when you make fans out of people in this town, um, it's definitely, it's going to serve you better than if you just go in looking to, um, to book the job. And you know, it also, it, it affects the actor ener energetically as well. If you have this sort of fear-based desperation energy of, I need to get this job. Oh my God, I hope I get this job. Da -da, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It comes out in your acting, you know, we can feel it and it can affect you. If you get too in your head, I've seen it happen. Um, so if you really just go in thinking like especially if it's a cast director you haven't met before or something like that it's like oh here's a new opportunity to make a fan out of this person or or whatnot yeah um, it just cha it just changes everything and I know I it's not just me I I have several casting colleagues that we talk about this we we have like this back pocket list of people that we know and love we always know they're going to be able to deliver you know we know they're consistent we know they're talented and we'll just keep bringing them in bringing them in bringing them in I think there's a, there's a comfort in that that makes you feel like, I'm sure you hear this a lot, but there's, there's often a, a thing for, like myself, for example, when I see a breakdown in a role, I can, I can guess what they want and then I can guess what I can do. And sometimes they're two different things. Like I would bring this to this, but I'm guessing they want this. And sometimes it's very tempting to do the thing you think that is what they're looking for. Yeah. And then, and then that comes across as in, inauthentic, right? Like you can't, you can't put a square peg in a round hole. You just can't. Mm -hmm. So, so bring, bring your version of whatever that thing is. Cause even if it's wrong, cause I can't even tell you how many times there's someone that comes in and like you said, like they are not going to be that version of what we originally saw, mm -hmm. but if they can bring what they can deliver a, sometimes it changes the mind of the filmmaker they didn't even know that's what they wanted and they end up liking that better that's what happened when i'm referring to that amazing self-tape from that uh that comedy i cast last year um he was nothing like what we had been talking about nothing completely opposite completely wow. opposite but his new and if i if you go back and look at my email that i sent to my director when i sent him that self-tape i said i know he's nothing like what we're looking for but you got to see this self-tape that he did. Those are my exact words. And the director wrote back going, oh my God, you're so right. Let me rethink my vision for this. That's that happens, you know, that happens. And even, even when that doesn't happen, let's say there's a particular filmmaker who's, who's very set in a, either an aesthetic look or a type or a whatever. Um, if you just do that really great authentic work, you know, your craft to the best of your ability, um, it will, it will yield positive responses, even if you don't book the job, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really and nice. Sometimes it's like someone reads for something and they're not right for that, but they were so good. You're like, well, can you, what about this other role? You end up thinking of them for like a different role within the same project. Do you keep people's tapes? Do I? Yeah. I have a folder that I keep uh certain, certain either self tape reels or whatever. I definitely have a folder of like people I want to remember or that I constantly put on lists so that, and if my filmmaker says, you know, I'm not familiar with them, I can send 
it to them. Yeah. I definitely oh. have a folder like that. I probably a lot less, uh, <laughs> probably a, a lot less storage space needed than back in the day when you had the exactly. headshots. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, as opposed to, you know, 20 filing cabinets. Exactly. <laughs> um, how do you get your relationships with reps? You mentioned that you have some good relationships with them because as actors, sometimes in picking reps, it's really hard for us to see that side of things. Obviously we want someone who seems like uh, like they could get us auditions, like they can be good jobs, that kind of a thing. Um, but it's hard to know like how they have relationships with casting. Is that just something you've built up over time, like meeting yeah. people and working? Say, that's just me being old. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, again, Jane and Janet were all about relationships and being kind human beings and uh, that that was important. It didn't matter if you were talking to the intern, the assistant, or the head of the agency. You, there is not a reason to be rude, unprofessional. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if they're an assistant. And so, yeah, so over the, so, I mean, that's something, I mean, I have really great parents who also taught, you know, it's kind of like be a decent human being no matter what, right? Yeah. Um, so, so I kind of had that instilled in me from, from both like real life and my, you know, professional you know, pursuing my career, but yeah, just over time, I mean, literally there are people who were assistants who are now heads of their department within the agency and stuff like that. So it's just, it's many years of, of building those relationships and truly they have to deliver on their end too. Like there's only so many times that they can send me actors that don't deliver or who aren't right for the role or whatever, where I'm going to be like, uh, I can't really trust what they send me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's kind of a two way street that, um, that it's, uh, me being accessible. I mean, that's, that's the other thing. It's like, just because an actor is not at one of, you know, the big five or six agencies or management companies, that doesn't mean there isn't phenomenal talent at the boutique agencies or the smaller managers or anything like that. So it really, um, as, as casting directors, we also have to have an open mind. If there's like, you know, a young hungry manager that has a little company and he happened, he or she happened to find a wonderful diamond in a rough at like a university showcase or something like that. We have to be open to saying, yeah, I'll take, I'll take a look at the real, you know, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like, like that. And that's the other thing, like with actors, you got to make sure you have some kind of material to show because when you get a filmmaker or a casting director that says, yeah, I'll take a look at it. You have about 30 seconds, depending on, depending on who the filmmaker is, maybe you have 10 seconds. For me, I like to give, I like to give a minute. I'll give you a minute to look at your material. That's very generous. <laughs> right. Um, and you got to be ready. You got if, if someone asks for your material, you've got to, you got to have it, have it ready, you know? How, how often are you um, getting people through breakdown through like Actors Access or how often is it people making phone calls? That's a great question. Um, I do not personally use Actors Access very much unless oh, it's that's like very interesting. a role that I'm having a very hard time finding. Um, I definitely use breakdown um, the through the rep side of things mm -hmm. and through I get a lot of, I mean yes there are phone calls for um you know reps that I have long-standing 20-year relationships with um but there's a lot of email email is huge you know what I mean so I get email pitches definitely more than I get um phone call pitches and um again if I trust that rep um I'm gonna be very prone to saying yes 
Um, when it comes to breakdown, so I'll get thousands of, of submissions on a breakdown, right? Like for one, let's say I get 2,500 submissions for a role. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> what? It's just, it's just a really big number. I'm just... oh. oh, that's nothing compared to some. Oh um, my God. So when I'm going through all those headshots and I will go through all, that's one thing I will say, I go through all of them. Um, some of it has to do with, if I see with, if I see there with a particular rep and I do think that whatever aesthetic value or whatever I see on the resume could lend itself to the role that I'm casting, mm -hmm. then right there, I'm going to want to call them in or have them self tape or whatever. But let's say it's someone I have never auditioned myself. I'm not really, I don't have a, a standing relationship with their rep. If their look is spot on enough, sometimes I'll just take a chance on it. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But I still do that. To this day, I still definitely, and I think a lot of my casting colleagues do that, will take a chance on someone. We get, it's, you know, throw some spaghetti at the wall and maybe some will stick. And, and that's how you find, and that's how you find people. You know I mean, thank God, because uh, I'm the spaghetti and I need my <laughs> wall. Do you watch everyone's reels usually on the submissions or do you watch the ones that you think you're probably going to call? The ones that I'm on the fence. Okay. The ones that let's say I'm on the fence, I'll, then I'll pop over to their, to their reel. But again, you know, I'm like, I'm very intu intuitive and, and it's very sort of energetic when I'm going through submission. There's just, sometimes I just feel something about a headshot as like woo -woo weirdo as that sounds. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I do watch some of the reels. I don't watch every single one. Some I'm just like, you know what? I like your face enough that I'm willing to take a chance. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, have I, you done? I want to make sure it's clear. When I say I like your face, it has nothing to do with being pretty. Oh right, I get it. Or attractive or anything like. I want to make sure people understand that like, it's not like oh the pretty people at versus the character people kind of thing. It's really about. Who do we want to look at for two hours? Who's going to hold the screen? Or, you know, if it's a supporting role, or even if it's just, you know, a three-line role, who do we want to look at? You know, it's not always the pretty people or the traditionally, you know, aesthetically beautiful people. It's, mm -hmm. for me, it's more interesting. Like when I'm going through submissions, if someone, you know, if there was like a fly on the wall and I'm going through submissions, the thing you're going to hear me say more than pretty or handsome or any of the, you know, good looking, any of those terms is going to be interesting. Oh, that's an interesting face. Oh, I like that. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's really what it's what it's about. I want to make sure any aspiring actors that are listening to this, it's not about pretty or character or whatnot. Yes, yes, there is sort of a, a leading man or a leading woman feel versus you know a character feel, but it, it's for me, it, it's not about just the, the aesthetic looks of being good looking or attractive. It feels like those lines are being more blurred these days. I feel like it's not as For cut sure. and dry. For sure. Absolutely. Nice. <laughs> it's a little gentler nice. on the soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so what do you think actors could effectively be doing in this quarantine time, right? Because there's so many, like, there's, I get an email and I think there's like 17 lives a day, like Facebook lives. And there's this and that and self-tape challenge and this. And then uh, it's, it feels a little overwhelming. And sometimes I just want to sit on my couch and drink half a bottle of wine. So I'm trying to figure out, <laughs> so I think we're all just trying to figure out like what to be doing. And also, um, you know, as we come out and before the industry turns back on, like what, what would be a good usage of people's time? Um, 
for me, from my perspective and, and my advice, I'm sure there would be other casting directors and filmmakers that might have a different opinion. Um, but it's really about um, being self-aware, knowing yourself, and what is going to help you keep that acting muscle strong. I mean, acting is like any other craft and it's like developing any other muscle. Like, you know, you don't use it, then you're going to lose it kind of a thing. So you may have a lot of natural talent and that's all well and good. But if you haven't auditioned in three months and then you're going to go audition, there's going to be a rustiness factor or whatnot, or even self tape, you know, I'm sure you'd like to get a self tape done in like three takes versus like 37 takes, right? Yes. So would my fiance. Yeah. (laughs) So I would, you know, whatever for you helps you keep your muscles strong. Like what are your strengths and weaknesses? Perhaps this is a time, you know, if you're really good at comedy, perhaps it's a time to work a little bit on your drama stuff. Or if, you know, you know that auditioning isn't your strongest suit. Maybe you do one of the lives on auditioning or you look at that course or, or a little bit of scene study or whatever the case, or even um, use this as an opportunity. You know, a lot of times during pilot season or whatnot, when an actor gets so busy, they can't get off quite off book when they're going in for an audition because they're just, there's so much material. So perhaps this is a time that you can really take the time to memorize the material and do a really great off book audition, you know, because you have the time and if, and if the self tape is really good, you can use it, you know, keep it. And then when someone wants to see an example of something, you know, um, I, very often if, if someone doesn't have a reel of a lot of produced materials, like, you know, they actually got booked on the show or whatever, but they had this phenomenal self tape, like, let's say it came down to them and one other person, you know, it went to network or it went to, you know, the executives at Paramount or whatever the case. Mm-hmm. Um, if that self tape is really, really good, I'll look at that as part of your materials. It doesn't always have to be produced work as long as it's right. solid. I don't want to see every random self tape you've ever done. You know what I mean? Please. <laughs> I just, I, I want to see good quality work, um, good quality work, whether that's a self tape or whether that's a produced uh, piece of material. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I have two final questions for you, and they're all personally selfish. Okay, good. One, is your birthday actually July 8th? It is. So is mine. <laughs> yes. I saw it on your IMDb, and I was like, no way. Yeah, yeah you know, we share a birthday with Kevin Bacon. Did you know that? Uh, yes, Kevin I Bacon's did know that. <laughs> Makes me feel a little more special every day. <laughs> um, okay, and my second question is, you have a little credit, I think, from when you were with your first casting office for Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I am the biggest fan. And I just want to know what you did for that. Oh, yeah. So here's, here's what it is. It's totally like Janet Hershenson gets all the credit for that because she was phenomenal in finding those kids, right? So she was off in London, you know, seeing a million people trying to find Harry, right? Huh? Um, what we were doing in our little LA office was either a any um, British kids that were here were in LA. We were looking at those self tapes and auditioning those kids. Or um, if there were if there were kids that they thought they could authentically do like a British accent, which those were few and far between. So it was really going through like the LA stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Janet was close. She would like send us like, oh, we had these good people today or these good. So we got to see what she was doing over there and give our opinions and whatnot. But so it was really just like on the LA side of things, seeing if there was like a Harry Potter hi- hiding here. But no, obviously Daniel was in the UK. <laughs> and, um, 
and uh, that's, you know, that's what she does. So that, that was my tiny little involvement. I believe, and this is just, I, I have probably shouldn't tell this story. Um, did you guys get a lot of mail during that time from kids who like wanted to audition? Oh, oh that's <laughs> what I was doing. I was sitting there looking at all these pictures, these, these photos that their parents had obviously taken and these adorable letters and stuff like that. We were going through all of them and, uh, you know, them wanting to audition for it and whatnot. And some that like literally did not look at all like what Harry Potter looks like. Okay. Yeah, so so we, were, we were sorting through all of that. Yeah. So thousands of letters. Yes, absolutely. So, so here's my tidbit of this. I sent one of those letters. Did you? I was 11. So therefore I thought I was prime. Um, yes. I lived in Missouri. <laughs> I had zero acting experience. I took a picture of me in a, in a, in a limited two sweater. I agonized over which one to send to, eat, to mail to you guys. As you should. Mm -hmm. um, I should also tell you that I thought Hermione was too big of a stretch for me at that time because I didn't have any credits. So I thought I could be Cho Chang, <laughs> who was an Asian actor. You are so, that is amazing. I love, this story is like bringing such like a smile to my heart. That is awesome. I love that. It was I mean, my chutzpah of 11. <laughs> I, that's great. I mean, you know what? But a story like that, it's really evident that this is your passion. Like you really want it. You want to do this and look at you, you know, years later and you're still pursuing it. Like I think that's awesome. That's that's a really great story. I love Thanks. it. Thanks. <laughs> Tell it one day on the talk shows. Yeah, exactly. Um, this was so fun. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. I've heard so many good things, and Ashley's the best, so. Oh, yeah, totally. No, this was really, really fun. Thanks for making it so easy, and I hope it wasn't too boring. <laughs> Not at all. I loved it. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Michelle, you're awesome. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Thank you guys for listening, for subscribing, for reviewing this podcast. <laughs> and also, please make sure you're following at One Broke Actress on Instagram um, because there was going to be a tip segment in today's podcast. However, it got edited out, so I'm going to put it on Instagram instead for you. So check that out. This podcast was created and hosted by myself, Sam Valentine with production assistance from Laurel Canyon Creative. And our theme song is by the glorious Maggie Zabo. She has a new EP out on Spotify, you guys. It's really good. You should check it out. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week.